welcome to another episode of Cohen's Corner. The Mets are hot lately, winning six of their last seven games, and coming into this weekend, they'll face their first real test, where they will have seven of their next nine games coming against the San Diego Padres, who are one of the best teams in the National League. Elizabeth, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Yes, very excited to see the Padres this weekend. It'll definitely, it'll feel like kind of like the Mets are putting on their big boy pants now and like facing the real juggernauts of the National League. So I'm, you know, we've been all, I think, pretty thrilled with how they've played so undermanned over the last month. But I think this will be a big test for them. And I'm excited because I love watching the Padres just casually, like when the Mets aren't on. So I'm kind of excited to see them face off head to head. It should be definitely a very, very good test for the Amazons. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a good stretch of games for the Mets. I mean, they probably should have swept the Diamondbacks, but taking two out of three, it's still good. I mean, the Diamondbacks are more, probably yeah, they're the worst team in the National they're League. They're not going to sweep every series, like but you know, it's if it's a winnable they should, game, but... they need they need to win <laughs> yeah. these games. And the other night, having a four run lead, blowing a four run lead to the worst team in the National League is pretty inexcusable. But at least they won the third game of the series. I mean. In that game, too, they scored, what, four runs in the first inning? David Peterson can't even get out of the first, ends up giving five up, and it was just a nutty, nutty game and, and on YouTube, which made it even crazier. But, I mean, they were able to get the job done, and that's really wins and losses. That's what matters in the end. It doesn't – you're not going to look at the box score and say, oh, well, they barely won this game. No, it's a win. So, we'll take it, and hopefully they can at least split with the Padres. That would be really nice in this four-game series. I mean, taking three out of four would be great. But uh, to split, I mean, that's what – at least that's what we're really hoping for. And I think that's where our expectations are right now with this team because they're one of the best teams in the National League. I mean, the Mets are playing really well. And they have the biggest lead out of anybody in any division in baseball with four and a half games up on both Atlanta and Philly. So let's keep it rolling and uh, hope that they can do well in San Diego. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I took a lot of positives out of the Diamondback series. I agree, you know, in theory, they should have swept. But the reality is they're not going to sweep every series against bad teams. But the important thing is taking as many of those series as possible. And one of the things I, well, a few things. One, I was really happy that, I mean, unfortunately Diaz blew his first save of the season in the second game of the series, which I I have to be honest, I like kind of saw coming. I don't know why. I just had a really bad feeling about that ninth inning. And you know, but, but here's the thing. He, he didn't give up like three walks in a home run. He gave up a few hits it, it wasn't like a terrible inning from him. And, but the, the best part was he came back the next day and got the save with another one run lead. And that shows me that his confidence wasn't, you know, completely shot by blowing that one save. And he's not going to be perfect the whole season. He's probably going to blow a couple of, you know, one run games. But the important thing is that he came back the next day, got, had a one, two, three inning and got the save, which was crucial to win that last game of the series. So really happy to see that from him. My confidence in him has not really wavered at all, despite him no longer being perfect in save situations. I don't know what your thoughts were on you know, his performance in this series, but to me, he's going to give up some hits. It's going to happen, but his control, at least, has seemed pretty good overall. I would honestly rather see him give up hits than like walking a ton of people because at least he's throwing strikes, even though there may not be super quality strikes. So I don't know what your thoughts were on that, but I was really happy to see him come back the next day and kind of lock down that ninth inning to secure the series win in another close game. The Mets have been in so many close games this year. That's the difference between, you know, a good bullpen and a bad bullpen. You can see teams with good bullpens win close games. And that's what the Mets did yesterday, which was fantastic to see. Yeah, they, they have won a lot of close games. And yeah, my confidence stayed the same pretty much in Diaz, even though he blew the save the other night because he didn't look that bad. I know exactly. he, he yeah. had to hit to Rojas with two outs, but 
if McKinney hadn't fumbled that ball in right field, that could have been a whole different inning, and who knows what happened. Uh, so, I mean, I don't really put all the blame on Diaz there. No. And then in the 10th, I mean, a lot of people are saying that Luis Rojas should be in consideration and maybe even the favorite as of now for National League Manager of the Year. And I probably agree with them, but he has made plenty of questionable decisions so far this year, especially when it comes to the bullpen. And I know that Rojas likes to bring a reliever out the next day if they have a bad bad outing the night before just to kind of get that out of their head. But Trevor May has not looked like himself probably over about the last month. Throughout the month of May, ironically, Trevor May was not really that good. In April, he he was very good. But the night before that he came in and blew the game in the 10th, he had thrown like high 20s, maybe low 30s in pitches, and he just he didn't look good. His stuff wasn't there. I mean, even look back to when they had that crazy extra inning win against the Marlins last week, and he had to barely get through that inning. And he it just seems like every outing he has, it's just a tough inning. And he just – even when he came in the night before in the, with the four-run – yeah, the four-run lead that DeGrom had given them or whatever the run lead was, and he comes in and gives up a home run, first batter, what gives up two runs, couldn't even get out of that inning, and you could see how frustrated he was. So, I mean, you're activating Seth Lugo. Why not use him in a big spot when he's arguably your best reliever? That that didn't make any sense to me. And, I mean, I could have predicted that Trevor May was going to blow it in that 10th inning. And whether that ball was fair or foul, I mean, on the nine-year anniversary of the Johan Santana. It's karma. It's, you know it's what? kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> That's why I had a bad feeling out. about that game. I don't know. I yeah. yeah. It didn't have a it didn't have a good feel to it when May was coming in. And even at the time, like what what are you doing? I don't I don't understand some of the moves Rojas has been making. But I mean, overall, I mean, with the way the injuries that this team has had, and the fact that they they have a four and a half game lead in first place, the manager's got to get some credit for that. So I mean, it's give and take with him, but there's definitely been some questionable decisions that he's made. Yeah, I mean, I think also. You know, I think we're both aware that managers in this day and age in baseball don't pull all the strings when it comes to making lineups or even who's coming in the game. And so I think if we're going to give Rojas credit for something, I really think, you know, obviously I don't know what goes on in a major league clubhouse, but I have to think that one of their main roles now, even maybe even more than ever, is just kind of keeping everyone on the same page and just having their attitude kind of translate to the rest of the team. And something that the Mets have been able to do is – stay pretty even keel and keep everyone motivated when people go down with injuries. You know, people are coming in, people are stepping up. And I've constantly been hearing players talking about the positive energy in the clubhouse. You know, even players like Billy McKinney, he had an interview the other day. He was talking about how much fun it's been over his first few days as a Met. And I think Rojas should get some credit for helping keep that clubhouse together. I'm sure the players themselves have a lot to do with that, especially the core guys like Lindor who have been here this through this injury bout. I'm sure every team complains about their manager. I'm sure every, like every bullpen blows games. And so I don't think he's been uniquely terrible or absurd in that respect. I'm sure he's made some questionable decisions for sure. But, you know, you have Dodgers fans complaining about Dave Roberts like every day. And they win 100 games every year. So I personally have been happy with how the Mets have been doing. And so if that means Rojas State, like I, I'm fine with that. Whatever keeps the boat afloat for me. But yeah, I agree with the bullpen too. What's interesting about Trevor May is you're right. He looked very, very good in April. And I think he just has not been missing as many bats in May. You know, the, I feel like the fastballs that were getting swings and misses in April, people have just been hitting. I mean, you know, I'm not like a super pitch expert on exactly, you know, why certain pitches are successful or what have you, but that's kind of the impression that at least I've gotten from him. So very, very happy to see Seth Lugo back. I mean, even though he gave up a run in his first outing, he didn't look bad. And he made a great double play, too, to probably save another run. So that was fantastic. But 
I think now that Lugo has come back and, you know, had that first outing off of the elbow surgery, I think you're going to be seeing Lugo in a lot more of those high leverage situations. I think it was just a matter of getting him in to the fold. And now that he's in the fold, I think he's going to be trusted with those high leverage spots because he possesses also weapons that the rest of the bullpen doesn't really possess. He has that elite curveball that I don't really think like anyone else in the bullpen really offers that the way Lugo does. And so just having that kind of different perspective and just having that kind of different arsenal of pitches coming from him is going to be a huge addition to the bullpen. And so it was tough having him not appear in that game that they lost in 10 innings. But ultimately I think now that he's back and has had an outing of two pretty good innings, I think he's going to be in those high leverage spots. You can mix him with, Castro, I mean, Familia has really been excellent this whole year. And I think having him lock down those high leverage innings has been crucial to this bullpen as well. So I think, you know, now that Lugo is back, not that May is never going to get, you know, other high leverage spots, but he doesn't have, May doesn't have to be like the eighth inning guy. Lugo's being back is huge. And hopefully he can be a huge part of this bullpen going forward for the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. And it's really a great shot in the arm to get Lugo back for a bullpen that's been outstanding. Like you were just saying, the bullpen has been, a very pleasant surprise. We thought that they had the potential to be good, but the way that this bullpen is pitched, it's just something that I didn't expect. And I don't think many Mets fans really expected themselves because in the last couple of years, we've had some of the same guys. I mean, Familia has been a shell of himself the last two, three years, ever since we re-signed him, honestly, he just has not been himself. The command hasn't been there. He just hasn't looked confident. I mean, Diaz, we all know the struggles Diaz has had Castro when we first got him last year and eh, he was okay. But the three of them, they've been outstanding. Loop has been really good, although we've said Trevor May has had recent bad outings. As a whole, I would say Trevor May's had a pretty decent season. But, Let's uh, talk about yeah. Gesellman, too. I mean, oh, my he, God. Gesellman. The surprise I mean, he of saved, the year he saved that for game me. for them yesterday. Three and two-thirds innings. Didn't that was outstanding. Oh, he's, he's got an ERA in the twos. Who, I think he's been – that's a great call by you. I think he's been the most surprising I mean, out of any reliever. Him and Familia have been the most surprising, I think, out of anybody in the bullpen. I agree. I mean, I probably – I wanted Gizelman DFA before the year. And like, who, how was I to know that? And I think what's, what's great about him is that he, you know, this year he's been kind of that long man, but you know, normally you think of like the long man in the bullpen as someone who isn't that good because they're only coming into blowout losses. And, you know, but Gizelman, because of the injuries that the Mets have had, he's been trusted with a lot of, you know, important innings early in games. And, he, you know, it was crucial for him yesterday coming in. I think he gave up like one inherited run. He gave up the uh, Madison Bumgarner's RBI single, which what are you going to do with Madison? He can still hit even if he didn't pitch well yesterday. But I've been so impressed with Gazelman. I feel like, you know, he's one of those Mets. He feel like it feels like he's just been here forever, just kind of lurking in the bullpen over the last few years. And, you know, I admit like after his season in 2020, I was ready to give up on him. I, that's another person I think deserves a ton of credit for the Mets this season so far is Jeremy Hefner. The Mets pitching has been largely outstanding and whatever he's doing with these pitchers who have had a resurgence this year, I think has been out- fantastic because Gizelman, I think is not a guy that most Mets fans going into the season would have a pinned a lot of hopes or expectations on or be expected to be a major factor in the bullpen. And yeah, his ERA is like two, four right now. And if he can give you those bulk innings, especially when, you know, David Peterson has struggled, the Mets have had some injuries in the rotation and had had to piece together a lot of bullpen games. Gizelman's been right in the middle of all those games that they've mostly been winning. He's been giving you like three or four scoreless innings or at least one run innings when you need it. And so 
definitely a huge surprise for me this season. And I've been thrilled. You know, I have nothing against the guy personally. I just wanted to see him pitch better. And he wasn't good last year or really the year before. And he's Thank been great God they didn't, the Mets didn't take your advice on Gesellman. Or I know. VR. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. VR has been a spark plug. <laughs> I, did, I think I've, every week I've mentioned how you just. I know. I feel bad. The season. I was also like, slandering Pilar like the first the week of the season. For this team so far. I mean, and oh, it yeah. sucks that now he's hurt. Hopefully it's just a tight hamstring, how they put it. But, I mean, John and VR, the, the speed, and he does frustrate me sometimes on the bases. Getting picked off two stuff. days in a row in the first yeah, inning. That was a little stuff. annoying. Or getting picked <laughs> off at third. He'll do some stupid stuff. But for the most part, he's been electric on the bases, and he's provided an element that the Mets have been lacking for years. Not mm-hmm. not just like a year, years. I mean, yeah, they had a Met Rosario, but he could – he didn't, really he didn't steal many bases, though. When was the last time we had a guy that's, like, stealing bases all over the place? What, Eric Young Jr.? I think that's the last guy really – Billy Hamilton for a week, and he's stealing third against um, – Billy Hamilton was a joke, and now he's doing well for the White Sox, but that's a whole well, other point. They but, have injuries, too, in their outfield. Yeah, VR's so. been great. I mean, Lindor, obviously, he steals some bases now, too, but the aggressiveness that VR's shown, and, yeah, his stats don't really – pop off the he's a spark plug though he's like, one of those players oh, that he, gets he fills, he fills a lot of he checks a lot of boxes in terms of giving bringing the team to a win in terms of like you were saying you know stealing the base when they need it you know going first to third on singles being able to score on like any fly ball and he's made great plays at third base oh, i mean he's played awesome defense awesome. yeah I, I mean honestly that's the thing is like i mean i miss jd davis and brandon nimmo but like pilar and vr have been great. I mean, I don't, I miss Nimmo and JD just because they've been there longer, but at the same time, if VR can, I mean, hopefully he's not super injured. You know, we don't know, obviously, but I don't know how you just hand, I don't think the Mets are just going to hand Davis whenever he comes back. I don't think think you can. I don't think they can. Where would this offense be without Jonathan VR again on base? The other day it was, there was a stat and I think it, it was like 18 of his last 20 games. He's been on base since more than that. Now that was a few days ago, but he's just been a catalyst at the top of that lineup, especially the Mets really needed it with Nimmo getting hurt. And we all know how great of a leadoff hitter Nimmo is, but to be able to plug VR in there and he's, he's drawing his walks. He's, he's getting some hits here and there. I mean, his bat's been on fire, honestly, recently because he was hitting under like 220 a week ago. And I think he's sitting close to like 240 now. So he's been hitting the ball really well. And it's nice to see Francisco Lindor finally coming out a little bit. James McCann's on fire. So oh, love it. The, and really the regulars clicking. hitting it just makes me so happy. I mean, I love seeing the replace Mets doing well. It pales in comparison to seeing Lindor, McCann, Alonzo, and Dom Smith all have a great game in the same game. I mean, that that is what, like, ultimately, if the Mets are going to be successful, they need those guys hitting. And, you know, credit credit to McCann as well and Lindor. They throughout this whole injury bout, they've been there, and the whole like McCann Nito situation has been very interesting to me because, and like we've been saying, McCann has never been an everyday catcher, and so I think it's going to be tempting to put him out there while he's hot hitting, especially. But I think having knowing that the Mets also have Nito who can hit and can throw out guys on the base paths is going to be a huge, huge boost for I feel like no matter who they have out there on any given day at catcher, I feel confident. I don't, I don't think you – I mean, in terms of the tandem of catchers that they've had, you know, I'm not going to overstate McCann's offensive contributions this season because he hasn't really been hitting that much until the last couple weeks. But just at least defensively in terms of being able to throw people out, I've never felt this confident in a tandem, both him and Nito, of catchers than in, in a very long time. And yeah, so, I agree. They've been, they've been really good. And I think, honestly, the move to first base helped McCann a little bit. Maybe it, it cleared his head a little bit and – Kind of let him relax during more. the game. There's less yeah, to he do. he relaxed, and it kind of let him focus more on hitting. And, I mean, look, since then, that's when he's really broken out. So, I mean, 
I think that's not too far-fetched to think that that probably played a factor into how well he's been hitting. And yeah, he, he's been on fire lately, but even just yeah, him and just Lind- Lindor, really, I mean, it's gotta be so good for him to get some of the pressure off of him. Cause let's be honest, he, he was horrible the first couple months of the season and to see him break out now. And yeah, a breakout for him has got him hitting 210, but still, I mean, to get him off the interstate and to get him hitting at least above 200, I mean, that's a positive. And he's been hitting the ball hard. I mean, he smacked one off the center field fence, mm-hmm. batting righty. He's, he's hitting well lefty. He had that hustle. I mean, they called it an error again the last game of the Dimex series in the ninth inning. I thought that should have been a double. He was going for two all the way. Yeah. But, but getting yeah. Alonzo back has been great, too. That's been, the, I feel like, the biggest shot in the arm. The first night, he had that big single, I think, in the first inning. And then he had that two-run home run that was a bomb. He's been hitting the ball really well, and obviously he had the hit in the ninth in the final game of the Diamondback series. But, yeah, the offense has really been clicking. It's nice that – I mean, because the pitching's been so great, but the pitching has been so-so the last few days, I'd say. I mean, obviously DeGrom is DeGrom. He's been great. We'll get into him. But, I mean, with Peterson getting shelled the way he did, for the offense to be able to pick Peterson up like that after the pitching staff has picked up the offense time and time again throughout the season so far, it was a nice sight to see. And. I mean, it's a change of pace. I mean, we've been waiting for this offense to hit like this. We knew they had the potential to do it with the names they have in this lineup. And I mean, Dom Smith was hitting around 220 the first two months of the season. He's up near 270 now. And I mean, we kind of expect him to be a 300 hitter, right? And he's been hitting for more power. And yeah, it's it's just the team is really coming together. They're starting to get healthy. And um, I think it's going to be a really, really fun season. I agree. No, I was so thrilled to get Pete Alonzo back. And I feel like his swing over his first couple games back has showed me that, you know, he clearly obviously was injured during, and that was clearly affecting his swing because I feel like the first, you know, month or so of the season, he just was, he was just hitting everything hard. And I think Pete Alonso, like he is the most dangerous. I would say he's the most dangerous hitter in the Mets lineup purely because yes, he has extreme power. He clearly has the most power of anyone in the lineup. I mean, it, if you're going to put money on someone to get, give you a 440-foot home run, he's the guy. But also, he's a really good hitter. I mean, he's not just home run or bust. And I think when he's going right, like, I have full confidence that he can get a hit. And that's why I was so happy to see him get that single in the ninth. You know, it would have been great if he hit a home run, obviously, too. But, I mean, just to see him recognize that he has the ability to make hard contact and that will get a run in. I mean, I think that was just that was just so important. And he also had another big hit earlier in the game too. I think he had a single, I forget which inning, but he had two hits yesterday as well. And so Pete Alonso, like, yes, he is a very potent power threat, but he's a really he's a really good hitter. And I really believe in I've always believed in him. I will always believe in him. But I really think like, yeah, having him back in the cleanup spot and just having him be fully healthy and be able to swing the bat properly is is huge. I mean, it's a huge lift. You saw it, you're right, in that first game. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And you're right, Lindor, you know, he, that's the thing. Mets fans want so, so badly to love Lindor because he's done nothing wrong other than not hit that much. And I think if he just hits a bit more, like Mets fans want to explode with cheers for him. They don't want to boo him because he, he's just such like a wonderful guy. And so I'm, I I hope he continues this when they eventually, I know they have a long road trip um, continuing, but I think if he keeps hitting, like he's going to be so, so beloved by the fans in that ballpark. And it's, it's fantastic to see because you're right. He, he can hit the ball off the wall. He can hit it out of the ballpark, but having his speed at the top of the lineup with VR. And it's interesting, like also about VR, I almost feel like he's replaced both Nimmo and Davis at the same time because he's been leading off and like doing what Nimmo does, you know, not to the extent of sprinting to first base on a walk, which only Nimmo does, but 
he's been getting on base at a pretty prolific rate and playing a fantastic third base. So he's like almost kind of filled those two roles in terms of playing third base, which Davis was doing and being a valuable leadoff hitter, which Nemo was. So you're right. I mean, he, all, he's almost got to fill those two roles. And obviously, hopefully if Pilar's back playing center field every day for the foreseeable future, I, I just can't believe that his whole situation, the fact that he came back so quickly, he's gotten like three hits in two games since he's come back. I mean, hopefully he can, if he stays locked into the plate too, that's like a one through six, one through seven. That is very dangerous, even with a bunch of the regulars still out. So yeah, very and, happy to see. I mean, and they've gotten contract. Like Mason Williams came up the other day, first pitch, lining a ball in the left field. He already he's, he's he took, had the same amount of hits that Cameron Maben had in his first like 30 at-bats in one pitch. So, I mean, he's been really good. He made that nice catch in center field that we got to uh, watch Miguel Castro's face zoomed in on. Oh, that was funny. Playing center field the other night. But, I mean, just guys that we've never heard of, honestly, are coming up and contributing. And I've said it before, but it, it honestly, and Mets fans, don't, don't get upset. But it reminds me of the 29, I think 2019, the Yankees in 2019 or 2018, whatever year that was. And they had all those injuries. And you had guys, that's where like Mike Talkman made his name, Mike Ford, all these guys were coming up and contributing that you hadn't heard of. They traded for Cameron Maben. He was really good. It kind of reminds me of that, that anyone you're plugging in, they're kind of, they're getting the job done. Jose Peraza has been a really underrated player for the Mets this year. He's played a really, how many? Excellent defensively. Excellent. Second base. In clutch hits, in that doubleheader against Colorado last week, he single-handedly pretty much won both games with his bat. So, I mean, he's been a, re- he's been a really good underrated addition. I mean, that's, that's what this front office did, and we've said it before. They didn't make all the flashy moves that Mets fans may have wanted, but the depth that they acquired at the AAA level that they didn't really have, and even at the major league level, like signing Jonathan VR for $3 million looks like a steal at this point. Like, so many teams could use what Jonathan VR is giving the Mets, and it's just – it's, it's nice what the front office did this year. And I mean, obviously you couldn't predict all these injuries, but in a way they're, they were prepared for it. And it's, uh, it's without that. I mean, they'd be in the gutter right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's remarkable how they've been able to, you know, stay afloat and, you know, win those games when there literally was no one besides Lindor out of the major league players in the, in the lineup and still like winning a few games there, you know, having Nito hit really well. And you're right. It's, and I, and I think again, I feel like the chemistry that the team has built so far this year allows everyone to thrive, especially those bench players coming in because they know, you know, they're not here just to kind of play out the string. Like they're here to be part of something special. Even if they're the 26th guy on the roster, you saw Pat- Patrick Mazika had two walk-off fielders choices in the same week. I mean, now he's back in AAA, but you know what? He might be back. You never know. Someone could get injured. And I feel like just everyone's buying into this winning formula and this winning attitude. And they all believe they all are confident that they can contribute to every game. And they're, I, I, I just feel like there's a very, very contagious energy that I've been sensing with the team. It's been great. You know, you're seeing like, I mean, I'm always a sucker for players like congratulating each other on social media, but you see like after all these games, they're all like tweeting like fire emojis and tagging each other in like tweets and Instagram posts. I think that's great. You know, maybe other teams do that too. I don't follow every team. I, I just think you can definitely sense that everyone, everyone top to bottom on the roster feels like they can be part of something special, no matter how many guys are injured. And so I think that's really important to know that even with 17 guys on the IL like they had last week, they still felt like they are fully capable of winning every game and they have the skills to do it. And they weren't even, and that's the thing about those games too. Even when like literally everyone was on the IL, they weren't getting blown out. They lost like one run games with, with that triple A lineup. So it's like they are, they're in, I feel like the Mets have been in, almost every game this year which and that's, that's mainly due see. to the pitching the pitching is yeah. phenomenal yeah absolutely they've only had like two losses of more than like four runs I've, I, that might be wrong but 
two losses where I felt like they didn't have a chance out of the whole year so far. And that's about it. Definitely feeling good vibes. You know, that's the thing. They're going to lose some games, but to kind of minimize losing streaks and just be able to come back, you know, they lost that annoying game against the Diamondbacks, came out the next day, scored four runs in the first inning and hung on from there. So I think that's the kind of resilience that they've shown even against bad teams, but also they've, they've shown it against good teams too. I mean, you know, the Braves and Phillies have underperformed this year, but they've, they've still won plenty of games against both of them so far. So you know, I'm very excited, you know, like we started the segment, to see how they fare against the Padres, who are definitely a juggernaut. One through nine, and including the pitchers. <laughs> One through nine, including their pitchers in that lineup, uh, are all very dangerous. So very, very excited to see how this series goes. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a real test. But uh, I think at this point, with the Mets getting healthier, I, I think they're up for it. And um, like we said, a split would be great. Three out of four would be even better. I think uh, a sweep would be a pipe dream in San Diego. But uh, – it's going to be a great test for them. But what do you say we get into some fan questions? So for those of you who might not have seen, we posted from our account a few days ago asking for fans to submit questions that we could answer. And just to kind of, you know, see what people are thinking, see what they want us to talk about. And so we got a few questions. Um, we did get a couple also about kind of how they want to fare at the trade deadline, which we'll probably get into more trade deadline talk closer to the actual deadline. So just know we saw your question and we'll, we'll kind of discuss that as the season goes forward. But since it's only early June, we're going to focus on a couple of other topics as well. So we have a couple here. Let's see, I can start. So here's one from J12Itchards, James R. Uh, based on their current performances, which incoming free agents should the Mets prioritize re-signing this offseason? And it's still early, so, you know, it's hard to say, really. But uh, the season ended today, I guess. I would say, as of now, like, pending free agents that are already on their team, I mean, at this point, you got to look to keep VR around, right? Because he, he's just, like we've, we've said, and we'll keep beating the drum, but he's been a catalyst for this team. And, I mean, where would, where would this team, where would this offense be without Jonathan VR getting on base all the time, wreaking havoc on the bases? I mean, He's been a real, real surprise on this team. And, I mean, he had an okay year last year, but whenever the Mets played VR last year, he was awful. So, I mean, I can see why Mets fans would be, like Elizabeth, would be a little skeptical coming into this season. All right, all right. But, yeah, I'd say VR from an offensive standpoint. I mean, um, somebody yeah. – I mean, the pitching staff, you obviously have Syndergaard, who's had another had another blow, a setback, which sucks. And Stroman, they're both going to be free agents, so you got to look into them. I mean, I've been saying I would extend Marcus Stroman – I mean, I, I think the Mets, if Stroman's willing to talk, I would I would jump on that in a heartbeat. He's just been great, and he adds an, another element. Like, the swagger he brings to this team and the confidence, and he backs it up on the he's field. He's a great teammate. Yeah, his he, teammates all love his him. teammates seem to love him. I mean, he seems to rub some other guys from the other teams the wrong way, which, honestly, I love. I don't care. Get, get in their head. I love it. His, his the 86 team, Mets rubbed people the wrong way. I have no problem with it, as no. long as we like them. But, yeah, so I'd say, as of now, VR. I mean, Pilar's only on a one-year deal. But yeah, I, as of now, if there was one guy that I would say, all right, I want him back next year, I, I would say it's, it's Jonathan VR. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I also agree about you know, Stroman too. I think, and that's, that actually kind of goes into another question that um, Justin Sarachik, who writes for Rising Apple, uh, asked as well, who would we rather have back next year, Noah or Stro? And <laughs> of course, my answer is going to be both because, you know, Stroman's been fantastic and I love Noah Syndergaard. So we haven't seen him pitch since 2019. I'm still like very excited for him to come back, but yeah, you're right. Stroman has been a fantastic pillar of this rotation, you know, and especially with, you know, that that's the thing is having, having Stroh 
And also, I'm thrilled also that they signed Taiwan Walker to a multiple-year deal because he'll be back next year no matter what. So that, that was a really great move on their part, signing him for two years at 20 mil. And he's been you know top five ERA in the National League. So I know he's not a free agent, but just another great signing that the Mets made. Um, yeah, I mean, Jake, I agree with you on, on everything you said about VR. I, I'm certainly a believer now. Once again, I don't feel like I have to keep apologizing for this, but yes, you do. I will. Yes, you do. But I will. I hope the Mets um, win the World Series and VR is World Series MVP. That would be that would, nothing would make me happier. Other than other than DeGrom being the World Series MVP, nothing would make me happier. Who else is like gonna be a free agent? Oh, Conforto. Let's talk about <laughs> Yeah. I forgot that he's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. Depending on how much time he misses. Because he's a free agent too. I think the the more time he misses, the more the more likely, likely it is the Mets keep back. him. Yes. I I agree, and honestly, same with Syndergaard as well. Because I, I forget how like the whole qualifying offer thing works, but they could. I mean, I guess they extended Strom in the qualifying offer last They'll year. They'll extend the I don't think they're extending Syndergaard the qualifying offer, especially if he doesn't come back this season. You, that's yeah. the thing. Like with that question, who would you rather have, Strom or Syndergaard? Honestly, like, and not to be a prisoner of the moment, but. I would I would much rather have Stroman at this point. Not right only now, yeah. not only that he's healthy and that Syndergaard coming off Tommy John, you don't know what kind of pitcher he's going to be. But the fact that like the starting staff has a lot of guys that throw hard, and Stroman, yeah, he'll throw it in the like the low to mid nineties. But he he's the real like ground ball pitcher, and he he has. But an that's different. That he gives something different though, right? Than Degrom. I mean, Degrom's not Degrom's a flamethrower, and Stroman's not, but they don't both need to be the same pitcher. It doesn't matter. No. Like, it's almost better that he's so different. From not, that's what I'm because, saying. It's nice to yeah, have exactly. balance in your rotation that you're not just going to be having guys that are throwing straight gas, which is great. And, like, I love Syndergaard. But, I mean, the element – and, like I said, the swagger that Stroman brings, that, like, that confidence and that come-get-us attitude, I mean, I, I really like that. And I think that's something the Mets really haven't had a lot of – I mean, Pete in 2019, yeah, but the Mets really haven't had a lot of, like, personality, you know? Like, it's different, kind of like a yeah. Like a, they have a lot of personality team. now. Like, it's, like, now overwhelming with like, personality. Yeah, and I love it. Like, I love it. Like, I want I want the Mets to be a team that the rest of baseball hates. Like, I want that. Like, I, I love that. And I think the team should embrace that, and I think they will if that happens. But I just think, yeah, the, the swagger the Strowman brings and the confidence, and people can say what they want about him interacting with the fans and stuff on Twitter, but I think that's great, too. I mean – the way for players to grow the game is to really like put themselves out there and be on Twitter and say, say what they're feeling. I mean, instead of just, I mean, I love DeGrom and DeGrom's his own guy and, but you'll, you'll never see him doing something like that. So that's another thing. It's nice to have some players that have that person. And obviously Syndergaard is a great follow on Twitter. It's not oh, the best. But yeah. Just Stern brings a different element to the team. And in a perfect world, I'd love to have both of them on our staff. I thought that's what yeah. we we're going to have this year. Yeah, I think at this point, especially with what Stroman showed you this year and throughout his career, he's been a very good pitcher. So I think as as of now, you would have to go with Stroman. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're right. Again, if the season ended today, yes, because he's pitched very well and Syndergaard has not been on the field. So I definitely agree with that. You know, I keep like just holding out hope that Noah's going to come back and be amazing and make this a hard decision or I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, you're right. I think the less Noah and Conforto play this year, like the more likely they'll be back, which, you know, you obviously want them to play well for the Mets, but if you're thinking long-term future, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see again, depending on how much time, I mean, honestly though, like if Conforto comes back in July and breaks the rest of the year, he's going to get a big contract and, and people won't think too much about him missing a month or so with the hamstring injury. So I don't actually know. It'll really depend how he does and when he comes back what what type of contract he ends up getting because even if he's been injured this year he's still going to be one of the top outfielders on the free agent market next year so 
Yeah, no, you're right. I, I don't have like a great answer for that question. I, I do agree with everything you said about Strowman. I think he's been a really great asset to not only just the roster, but the clubhouse in general. And you're right, just seeing him like posting all these fun pictures with his teammates. And again, that's not, it's those like intangibles that contribute to team chemistry that are really important to winning ball clubs. And especially teams that have had so many injuries like the Mets have had, to have guys like Strowman keeping up that positive energy everywhere they go it's really important for, again, making sure that the, the random guys that they sign can buy into this winning culture. I, I think that's crucial. And he has definitely been a great asset to this team. I feel like he's really bonded with, you see him and like McCann kind of going back and forth on Twitter playfully, him and Trevor May, like basically him and Taiwan Walker too. I feel like they seem to have become best buds, which I love. And you're right, like having him be his own pitcher. And I think he, he really just believes in what he does. And he's not trying to fit the mold of what the rest of the Mets rotation offers. He's not trying to be what DeGrom, because he doesn't throw 100 miles an hour and probably won't be able to. But he he's definitely kind of believes in what he does and sticks with that. And, and I love that. His, his confidence never wavers. Like, no matter what, I feel like Stroman is always the most confident guy in his abilities, which is great. Like, especially when you're not doing well and to still have that confidence and he's been doing great. So he hasn't, the only really, he's had a couple of rough starts. I mean, that one against the nationals, he had a, a little bit of a rough start. Yeah, he, he did give up the three run Homer, which yeah, I, I just kind of feel like that whole, that Rojas thing might've gotten his head. I really bit. think that was the turning point in that game. Unfortunately, yeah. I like, yeah, I just had a bad feeling, but, but I mean, overall that night he was, he was before really, that he really, was excellent. really good. He was really yeah. good. And I mean, yeah, still did. I mean, to just give up three runs. I mean, it sucks in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, he, he's been awesome this season and I, I've never, and I guess this is just the, I love Marcus Stroman show, but I have never seen a pitcher field his position the way Marcus Stroman. Feels. Oh, he's, he's outstanding. It, Howie Rose tweeted it the other day that he just, he would pay to just watch, not even just to watch him pitch, just to watch him play defense. And I agree. I mean, I think you could put Stroman at shortstop and he could be a phenomenal. Oh my God. Can you imagine Stroman to Grom up the middle? Nothing would make me happier. (laughs) The the plays that Stroman makes coming off the mound. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch. And I mean, to have him and Grom in the same rotation, obviously they're both great pitchers to have two guys that field their position really well. Like the other night, DeGrom had that, uh, I think it was Merrill Kelly. Coming, coming back off the, over the mound. Yeah. He, he made it look so easy, but that is such a hard play to go over his shoulder, over the mound, make that play quick, throw to first. I mean, the fielding by these pitchers is just, I mean, it's something you don't always think of, but when you see it, it pops off. I mean, even when the Mets first traded for Stroman, I remember he made that play in Pittsburgh where he got that guy at the plate. Yeah. I believe that was his first start as a Met. And just right then and there, you're like, Jesus, like, this guy can really field. So, I mean, that, that, that alone is fun to watch. I mean, forget how good he's pitched. That's a joy to watch too, just watching him field his position. Agreed. And, you know, you, you're right. You don't always, always think of pitcher fielding as being important, but the fact is balls are hit to them. I mean, every game there's like at least one comebacker and they're, they have kind of, I would say definitely an under the radar impact in terms of, you know, pitchers fielding their position on the actual game, but it's certainly very important. I mean, we even saw yesterday, there were two plays made by pitchers that were exceptional. One was Gazelman's barehanded play coming off the mound, which was a great play that most pit, you know, pitchers don't always make. And then Lugo starting that double play as well. So definitely I'm, I'm definitely on board the Marcus Stroman gold glove train for sure. I'm all, I'm just going to slightly change the subject. I'm also on board for the Jacob deGrom National League Silver Slugger train because this man is still batting 450, like eight starts into the season. And just, 
watching him get a hit every start is just incredible. And you, ex- you expect him to get a hit when he comes. I do. Up. I've I really never thought do. of it. besides Madison Bumgarner, who ironically got us. I've never, I've never thought of a pitcher like coming up and be like, okay, like coming up in an RBI spot, like oh man, like they intentionally walked whoever. I could not believe. I'm like they intentionally like, walked a guy making his major league debut to get that. to Degrom. That was, was like, I think, the bonehead decision of the year I've seen from any from either team. I couldn't believe it. And I, when Degrom came up, I've never with any pitcher coming up, like I said, besides Bumgarner, I've never been like, okay, well, that was, we got a shot. He's gonna get a hit now. And first pitch lines it in the right field. And, oh, it's, I was just sitting there. I was watching one of my roommates, and I'm just sitting there laughing, like just just laugh. Like I don't know what else you can do at this point. I mean, it, it's nuts. I mean, obviously he's not Shohei Otani, but. I mean, he's nowhere near an automatic out like most pitchers in the National League are. It, more often than not, he's obviously he's hitting 450. I mean, I, he's almost hitting 500. Like, that's nuts, like you said. I mean, it, but, again, sample size is like nine hits in 20 at-bats. But still, he, still, he, he still. missed three starts and is leading the National League in pitcher oh, hits. And it's crazy. like by a few. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. He's a beast. Oh, he's so good. He's given up four earned runs on the season. He's driven in three. So, I mean, think, just think about that. <laughs> think about that <laughs> and then – I mean, it's a small stat, but it's still it's, – it's nuts. But right? it's important. I mean, oh. if he's going to be in the lineup – and I just, I just love what he says every, every, after every game. They asked him about it, about uh, intentionally walking Mason Williams and to get to him. And he's like, you know, like I came up there thinking like, all right, I got to get this guy in. You know, I don't want to be an automatic out. I mean, that's the thing. He – he has a different kind of confidence than Strowman does because Strowman is very kind of verbal and like outward about it. And you can just, and DeGrom is too in a different way. And I just think, you know, that he just, he's the best, best athlete on the field for either team whenever he's in the game. And just to see him constantly come up and like getting hits and getting those RBIs, you're right. It's just, it's just remarkable. And you're right. I just also love to like, I think I tweeted about this the other day, but in my however many years of watching baseball, I have never seen a pitcher get annoyed after striking out, except for DeGrom. And you never, he gets more annoyed. You see him like shake his head and like go into the dugout angrily after he strikes out, which most pitchers do in most of their at-bats. You, he gets more annoyed than like position players do after striking out. And it's just funny because you just know like whatever we expect of DeGrom, his expectations for himself are just that much higher. And so I just, I always find that funny. And just like noticing the little things he does in every game, whether it's like shaking his head in frustration after striking out the side, which like I can't fathom, or like being annoyed with himself after he strikes out in a non-crucial situation. I just think it's so funny. Like he, he just expects so much of himself and constantly delivers. And, you know, again, he had another fantastic start. I think they were probably still, the only explanation I can have, and I think he alluded to this post game about why he came out after 70 pitches was that they were still easing him back into the rotation, which, okay, fine. Hopefully he can at least go seven in his next start and there's no reins. Yeah. Just to see him like, I mean, he looked really, really good against the diamondbacks. Like, I know he looks, people he were, looks really, really good. every it, time. He, he does, but he doesn't always have, I, I think he does for the very large majority of the time, have excellent starts, but I think you can also tell even with him when he has his pinpoint command and when he doesn't, and he doesn't always have it. And sometimes he grinds through those starts where he gets, he walks a guy or two and still pitches the scoreless outing. But I think he also has those starts where he's just so, so in control of every pitch. And like, that was what he looked like on Monday. And yeah, it was Monday. Yeah, Monday. And I think, so. I think that's what makes him great because you look at other pitchers when they don't have their A plus stuff, they're usually 
giving up at least, th- what, three, four runs. They're getting knocked around a little bit. Like when Stroman, when Stroman doesn't have his – and it's different because he's not as much of a strikeout pitcher, but when he doesn't have his stuff and he's not getting those ground balls, I mean, yeah, he'll, he'll give up three, four runs maybe. Right, or Walker can walk like yeah, three exactly. guys. Yeah, exactly, but that's, any, that's not just you know. them. Like that's any pitcher yeah. really in yeah. the world. But when DeGrom doesn't have his A-plus stuff, it's like, oh, he didn't strike out 13 tonight. Okay, exactly. he out seven. Oh, yeah, and he gave, up, he gave up a home run here, and he gave up one run. That's DeGrom not having his A-plus stuff, you know, which is crazy. But since we're on the topic of DeGrom, and we've been talking a lot about DeGrom's hitting, and I know we did trivia last time. Oh, yes. We did trivia this week, and I have oh, no. Jacob DeGrom hitting trivia question. <gasps> so I figured let's start oh. that now. Oh, God. It's, I'm it's, a little bit worried. It's fairly simple. I, th- I, think, you'll, I think you'll get it. Okay. It depends. Again, like I and if you don't, I, know, I look like a jerk off that I said. No, that. don't worry about it. I like to be challenged. I right. will say, like I know a lot about Degrom. I definitely know more of his pitching statistics than his hitting ones. So I will do my best because I, I'll save myself in advance in case I don't get them right. Okay. So last last episode, I asked you who he hit his only collegiate home run off of, and that was Chris Sale. This time, I'm going to ask you what pitcher gave up Jacob Degrom's first career home run, and it was on a holiday. Can you tell me what holiday that was? <sighs> Okay, see, like this, I, I don't know if I know. Um, a ho- like a holiday. On an up, holiday? It was, it's an upcoming holiday. Probably on July 4th. Nope. Oh. Yeah, see, like this, I don't think I'm going to know. I don't remember what year it was. But do you know who gave it up? Like, no. I'm gonna, <laughs> I have to guess. Wow, uh, stumped you. No, I don't know this, honestly. What year was his first home run? Was it his rookie season? No. No. I think it was like 2016. Okay. No, it might have been 17 because he hit two home runs in 19. Against the Marlins. I think he's hit three in his career. Uh, oh, God. I, I definitely, like, don't know this, so I'm excited to find out. Okay, let me just guess. Uh, was it – I don't you, know. You want to give you the team? Sure. Yeah, give me a hint. All right, it was the Nationals. I don't know. Strasburg? Joe Ross on Father's Day. I was about to guess Joe Ross. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yep, it was Joe Ross on Father's Day. Father's Day. Oh, okay. I always that, remember. You know, I, I always remember Degrom running around the bases, and he had his like they had they were like the blue lettering. Oh, that's right. I I didn't know that. You know what? I was literally. I swear. I know hindsight is twenty twenty. I was literally about to say Joe Ross, and I was like, you know, what? I don't think he's been on the team that long. He has. So. Yep. Whoops. All right. Oh, I know Joe. Okay, wait. But what year was it? I I have to. I think it was twenty sixteen. Okay, Joe Ross. All right, now I know that. That's what I'm saying. This is not the stuff I've memorized of him. It's like all. <laughs> so you stumped me on that. But thank you. But now I know. Yeah, it was okay. It was 2017, July 18th, okay. 2017. July or June 18th? Or June, sorry, June. My bad. Okay. I'm all over the place. June, no, that's all right. June 18th, 2017. All right, you want to ask me one? Good times. All right. Well, now I know. Sorry, Degrom. I can't believe I didn't know that. Um. Okay. I have a few like since this week was the anniversary of Johan's no hitter. I have a few, and I know you you told me earlier you didn't actually watch the game, so maybe you won't know this, but. I have a few kind of Johan slash no-hitter related questions for you. This is a little hard, or maybe not. Which of the following Mets prospects was not included in the Johan Santana trade? So I'm going to name four guys. You have to name the one that was not in the trade. Carlos Gomez, Philip Umber, Eddie Coons, or Dialis Guerra? Coons. That is correct. The, other three, the, other, the fourth player that the Mets traded was Kevin Mulvey, but Coons was not included in that trade. So good job. I forgot that he was a person until I looked up this question. So. <laughs> Rip. All right, I got I got another one for you. Ready? Okay. Oh no, I can't believe I'm going to be stumped on the Grom questions. I'm so sad. Who okay. made Who made the final out for the Mets at Shea Stadium? It was God. a fly ball. 
who who like hit it you who mean, hit it which met yep i like again i like should know this i think i was just sad because the mets collapsed i don't know right ryan church oh you're right i i, I remember that yeah i should have known that oh well <laughs> Ryan Church. Good. All right. Since you said David Wright, I'm going to ask you another one. I have a, okay. This is my last question. Then you can ask me a couple. Okay. If I go over three, I'm going to be so sad. And you know what? It's fine. Whatever. David Wright finished in the top five of MVP voting only one time in his entire career. Can you name what season that was? 07? Yes. There you go. I remember that was like his best year, too. <laughs> he well, what the, what place did he finish? Was it, wasn't it like three? Fourth. Fourth. Oh. He, finished, uh, he finished top ten, I think, like, four times three four yeah times. i think eight oh eight and oh six he also did or yeah, he finished like, in like some he, he got like some votes both 13, of those years he had votes too oh yeah yeah but, uh, oh seven yeah. i remember he was really i think he, he won the silver slugger and the gold glove that year yep. and he i mean because he like it was the only one hitting in september that year also yep okay when mike baxter came out of the game after making his game saving catch and crashing into the wall who replaced him and this was in johan's no hitter just to preface who replaced him in left field? Oh, that's a really tough question. Can I ask, is it like a well-known Mets player? It's someone that Mets fans know who he is. Mets fans know who he is. Yeah, I mean, he's like a Met that people would know. I, I don't know how much more I can say. But yes, who replaced him in left field? I don't know. The answer is Kirk Neuenheis. Ah, who no. was already in the game in center field. Okay. And then Andres Torres came into the game to replace Neuenheis in center. TBT to him, right? And Neuenheis moved over to left. I only, I only, well, I looked that up, but also I just remember seeing Neuenheis like kind of among the post game celebration at the mound as well. Yeah, okay. But yes, that is the answer. Our hero, Mike Baxter. Thank you for sacrificing your shoulder. Who is now the hitting coach at Vanderbilt? Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Vanderbilt's good too. All right, what else you got for me? Which two seasons did Santana win his American League Cy Youngs? Ooh. Good question. I, obviously, they were both in Minnesota. What year was Santana's first year at the Mets? 08? 08. So it was before that. Did he win it in 07? No. All right, then I'm going to say they weren't ba- – was it back-to-back years or no? I'm not – I've given you enough. Hey. I gave you <laughs> – Okay, fine. More. No, it was not back-to-back years. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to go one year was 06. No, I'm going to go 04 and 06. Yes, that is correct. All right, cool. Didn't Cologne win it in 05? With where? With the Angels? The A's? He wasn't with the A's then. Oh. Maybe the Angels. If I'll he was look that Angels, up. Then. I'm pretty sure Bartolo Cologne won his Cy Young in 05. Let me look. This was not one of my questions. Yes, he did. Cologne won his Cy Young. With Anaheim. Oh, it was with the Angels. You're right. You're right. But it was in 05. So there you go. Okay. And my last question, I personally think is, you, you will know, but... Who was the opposing starting pitcher in Johan's no-hitter? I don't think I know that. I know, obviously, it was the Cardinals. Take I'm a just, wild guess. I'm just going to say Adam Wainwright. You're correct. Okay. <laughs> it was Adam Wainwright. Of course it was. Okay. And, of course, Beltron had the famous hit slash no-hit down the left field line. With Wainwright starting. Screw Adam Wainwright. And his yeah, I know. With the curveball. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so good job. That's all I had since it was no anniversary this week, which I've officially dubbed and will be copywriting. All right. Well, I think 
that pretty much does it for this week's episode of Cohen's Corner. We got through some fan questions, talked a lot about Mets doing well despite all their injuries, did some more trivia, and we are very excited to see how they do against the Padres seven out of their nine next uh, seven out of their next nine games. And we're very excited to see how they fare for the rest of this month. Hopefully it's not a June swoon. I know they are cursed in June every year, except for last year when they didn't play in June. So hopefully this year is a little bit better. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully and yeah, seven of the next nine against the Padres got two against the Orioles crammed in there. I'll be at Camden Yard. So if anybody else is going, feel free to re- reach out. There you go. Out. But uh, yeah, so hopefully they'll be able they definitely need to sweep the Orioles. The Orioles suck. Shout out to my friend Cole, who's a big Orioles fan. The Orioles suck. They're horrible. Hopefully the Mets sweep them. But, uh, yeah, they got they got a big test coming up with seven of the next nine against the Padres. They got a few doubleheaders coming up over the next few weeks. I think they have, like – Against the Braves, three, a couple. Three doubleheaders in the span of a week, something crazy like that. So, I mean – Sean yeah, Foley will be back. Mark yeah, my maybe, words. Maybe Gesellman will get to start a game or two. We'll see what happens. But, but there's uh, seven yeah, innings, yeah. That's gonna be, we're really going to be able to see where the Mets are. Over the next couple weeks, like, we're really going to know if this team is uh, still going to have this big lead or if they're going to fall back a little bit. A lot of division games. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks, so we'll see where the team goes. But, uh, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find Elizabeth on Twitter at NYMFan97. You can find myself at Giblin underscore Jake, and you can follow the podcast at Cohen's Corner Pod. So we'll talk to you guys soon, and uh, let's go Mets.